T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Are the Washington Nationals trolling Trump? It might appear that way to some of you. President Trump has let it be known he will attend a Game 5 of the World Series if, in fact, there is one in Washington, D.C. He will not, however, throw out the first pitch. Trolling because the guy who will throw out the first pitch, Chef Jose Andres, who pulled out of Donald Trump's D.C. hotel because of disagreements with him and has been very critical of the president, his foreign policy, his actions around the globe, in particular in Puerto Rico. A very interesting dynamic if there is a Game 5 of the World Series. We'll talk about all things World Series related with Bob Nightingale, USA Today and Radio.com later this hour. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. And remember, Home and Home is now on Spotify. Check us out. A lot of ways to do so. The Radio.com app, which is free. iTunes, you can subscribe. And now Spotify. A lot of locations to find us. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dave Briggs TV. Ross Tucker in West Point. Follow him, Ross Tucker NFL. We start, however, with the NBA. Fan, really interesting night on the court last night because Kawhi is still killing the Golden State Warriors. And we got a glimpse at the Houston Rockets, new duo James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Giannis is still the king of the East. But we start with what happened off the court. From the president to the vice president, Mike Pence weighing in on this whole NBA versus China and throwing Nike straight under the bus. Let's hear from the vice president now. China's also been trying to export censorship, the hallmark of its regime, by exploiting corporate greed. Beijing is attempting to influence American public opinion, coercing corporate America. And far too many American multinational corporations have kowtowed to the lure of China's money and markets by muzzling not only criticism of the Chinese Communist Party, but even affirmative expressions of American values. Nike promotes itself as a so-called social justice champion. But when it comes to Hong Kong, it prefers checking its social conscience at the door. Nike stores in China actually removed their Houston Rockets merchandise from their shelves to join the Chinese government in protest against the Rockets general manager's seven-word tweet, which read, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. And some of the NBA's biggest players and owners who routinely exercise their freedom to criticize this country lose their voices when it comes to the freedom and rights of the people of China. Inciting with the Chinese Communist Party and silencing free speech, the NBA is acting like a wholly owned subsidiary of the, that authoritarian regime. A progressive corporate culture that willfully ignores the abuse of human rights is not progressive, it is repressive. 
When American corporations, professional sports, pro athletes embrace censorship, it's not just wrong. It's un-American. American corporations should stand up for American values. Okay, that's the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, saying the NBA acted like a wholly owned subsidiary of China's Communist Party. Adam Silver was strong throughout this process. You know where I stand on this. China asked him to fire Rockets General Manager Daryl Morey. He said, no, I will not even suspend Daryl Morey. First off, your reaction, Ross, to the vice president before we hear from Adam Silver and Charles Barkley. So really glad that you're the co-host, Dave, because I've got some questions for you about this. Uh, I don't agree with what he said about the NBA acting as a wholly owned subsidiary at all. Uh, when you consider what Adam Silver said and the fact that China state media came out and said there will be further retribution, you can't, I mean, that, that makes no sense for Mike Pence to say that. And by the way, I feel like anytime you say anything related to the president or the vice president, people immediately attach some type of political sentiment to it. Let me just tell you, and Dave knows this, I don't have very strong political opinions at all, not at all, because I'm not informed enough to, to have those opinions. But I do follow the NBA and China thing, and we have been talking about it, and it's not fair to call them a wholly owned subsidiary based on Silver making the comments that China said will lead to further retribution. That doesn't make sense. Now, is it fair to be critical of the players and the coaches who always, it seems, want to express their opinions for things until now when it seems like it would cost them a lot of money? I think that is fair. I've said the same thing, and I understand the difference. I know you feel like, Dave, that it's more uh, domestic politics and policies versus international. I think it's probably, my personal opinion is, it's more about the financial part of it, right? That when they express their opinion domestically, it doesn't really hurt them. If they express their, uh, financially, if they express their opinion about China, it, it does hurt them. If this was something going on in France or in the UK, I, I think that they would say a lot more than they're saying right now. Uh, but I don't agree with what Mike Pence said at all there, unless I'm missing something. And here's my bigger question. Now, I don't even know how I know this. But didn't you tell me, didn't Trump agree to, like, stay quiet and stay out of the Hong Kong thing as they were working on, like, a trade deal with China? So am I missing something here? I thought Trump was kind of being quiet on this because there he's trying to work something out with China. It almost feels like Pence is either being hypocritical or hem Pence is kind of calling out President Trump, too, or am I totally off base? That is the Princeton degree at work. The biggest problem I have with politics is the hypocrisy, the blatant, disgusting, dripping hypocrisy of it all. I have voted for many Republican presidents in my lifetime, so don't for a second go thinking, oh, I'm communist news network, liberal mouthpiece, whatever. I am not. I am certainly not. I am the furthest thing from it. 
Donald Trump is the president of the United States, and what we at least used to call the president is the leader of the free world. And to Ross Tucker's point, the president of the United States has agreed to stay silent on the Hong Kong pro-democracy protesters out of respect for the Chinese during trade talks. So in a sense, he is staying silent for financial reasons for the United States. That is some thick hypocrisy for Mike Pence, let alone the fact that Donald Trump has catered to strongmen, authoritarians, and dictators around the world, most notably Kim Jong-un, a murderous thug dictator who he has coddled, who he has written letters back and forth with for the last two years. So that is problematic. And if you're going to criticize Nike because Nike supports Colin Kaepernick, well, then shouldn't you criticize Boeing, Starbucks, Hollywood Studios, U.S. automakers who all eagerly do business with China and say nothing about their human rights record? So you're going to single out Nike because they do speak up for human rights and social issues here in the United States? None of this makes sense to me. Beyond the fact that Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, has been strong in my estimation from the very beginning, here is the commissioner on TNT last night, followed by NBA Hall of Famer and TNT broadcaster Charles Barkley. We've adhered to our core values from the first moment to the extent that there was any doubt about that. We reinforced that those are core values. And I'll just say, once again, we're going to double down on engaging with the people of China and India and throughout Africa around the, the world, regardless of their governments. Certainly, if we get to a point where the U.S. government tells us we shouldn't be doing business in certain territories or countries, we won't. But I'm a firm believer that through sports, independent of governments, you bring people together, they, they acknowledge that, that commonality, they create empathy, just in the way we began this show today, that through personal relationships, there's no substitute. And when we, this, this league for decades has been on the ground in China, um, spreading the game, teaching the values of this game, and again, I think those are core American values, and we've never wavered. We all felt hurt for those of us who were there, the teams that were there. I mean, people saw those images on CNN and elsewhere. It was fairly dramatic to look out the hotel window and see giant billboards of NBA players being pulled down. And I think nobody's going to forget those images. Well, let me say this. <laughs> First of all, Ben, Vice President Prince needs to shut the hell up, uh, number one. All American companies are doing business in China. All American companies are doing business in China. I thought the criticism of Commissioner Silver and LeBron James was unfair. Listen, Daryl Murray, who I like, he should have, he can say whatever he wants to, but there are consequences. But I don't understand why these holy endowed politicians, if they so want to worry about China, won't they stop all transactions with China? President Trump, has been talking about and been arguing with tariffs for China for the last two years. But I think it's unfair for them to do all their business in China and just because this thing happened, try to make the NBA and our players look bad. All Americans' companies do business in China, period. A nice warm glass of shut the hell up from Charles Barkley to the vice president of the United States. Boy, have conversations on 
what we agree is the best pre-post game show in sports have been taken to an entirely different level with Charles Barkley and this China conversation, Ross. Yeah, um, man, it's unbelievable. It, it really is interesting, isn't it, Dave, that Daryl Morey can send one tweet and all of this happens. I guess my question is, where were the reporters to say to the NBA, why are you doing all this stuff in China with what they're doing in Hong Kong before the Maury tweet, right? I mean, like, I feel like Maury's tweet shouldn't have been, like, I feel like there should have been some reporters maybe asking these questions of NBA players, NBA executives, Commissioner Silver before the Maury tweet. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I mean, look, Daryl Morey basically stepped in it for for everyone, quite frankly. But Daryl Morey, the interesting thing about him is he still has not said a word throughout all this. And the Houston Rockets hoped to turn the conversation to basketball last night. But Daryl Morey was unavailable to reporters, as was the owner, Tillman Fertitta. He did respond to reporters in written answers saying he never considered firing or punishing Daryl Morey. I don't believe that's entirely true. If you go back and look at some of the tweets he was liking around the time, it looked like he was trying to build support for punishing Daryl Morey, if not firing him. He also said we have never commented on another country's foreign policy. More hypocrisy on all this is all the politicians who have ripped the NBA and ripped the players, but say nothing about Tillman Fertitta. Why do you think? Tillman Fertitta is a huge Republican donor to all those politicians, notably uh, John Cornyn, Ted Cruz, and the Republican senators as a whole. So look, this whole situation is just loaded with hypocrisy. And in the end, the Houston Rockets probably didn't want us to turn to basketball after what happened last night because we did play ball and James Harden and Russell Westbrook were arguing straight out of the gate in the debut of the new duo there in Houston, reunited from their days in Oklahoma City. They lose 117-111 to the Milwaukee Bucks, and the one inevitable conclusion is Giannis is a force to be reckoned with. 30 points, 13 boards, 11 assists, and he fouled out with five minutes to go. Still didn't make a difference. Rockets win that game, or Rockets lose that game by six. Harden, two of 13 from the floor. One of eight from three-point range. Uh, there were, by the way, visible signs, protesters supporting Hong Kong throughout the arena. You could even see them on the game broadcast. Relationships take time. And that Houston Rockets relationship between James Harden and Russell Westbrook is really going to take a lot of time. And another thing Charles Barkley said on the broadcast is he doesn't think that the Golden State Warriors are going to be a playoff team. He said it straight to the face of Klay Thompson, who was on the set. It was an interesting night in the NBA. But tonight is a fascinating night in Major League Baseball. It is game three of the World Series. It's not just any game. It is the first World Series game in the nation's capital since 1933. And what you will see, you will see the baby shark chant song, whatever you want to call it, throughout Nationals Park, 40 plus thousand peoples, if people, because it has become the theme of this team. Listen to it.
absolutely. <laughs> There's the man in the shark suit who got this all started for us. Good to see you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. We appreciate you wearing that shark suit here on Home and Home on a Friday. If you could give us a little background about how this all got started. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, been a longtime Nationals fan, and uh, very luckily, my uh, company has a lot of season ticket holders that can't go to games, so I get to go quite a lot. And probably around September, I was looking around and going, you know what, this is absolutely just taking the stadium by storm. I mean, they're doing, you know, the Baby Shark every time Par comes up, and it's just uh, so funny. So I was like, you know what, let's see what we got. I uh, was a big fan of Left Shark when uh, that happened, so this is a technically a left shark costume um but i looked it up on amazon and couldn't get it in time went directly to the reseller uh tv store uh online.com if you want the shark costume had them overnight and wore it to the wild card game uh they won that game which was fantastic and uh it's been a good luck charm got to go to game four against st louis and that's kind of when it really started to spiral um into this uh, kind of weird viral phenomenon but it's not about me. I didn't wear it for notoriety. I wore it because these guys are playing possessed. I mean, the culture that Para has brought has been so fun to watch. And it's kind of funny with these uh, this quirky sports uh, kind of animal <laughs> blends. Um, I grew up a Red Wings fan. So uh, who threw the first octopus, right? And here I am wearing a shark suit uh, Friday on the uh, eve of the first World Series game. So pretty fun. I mean, just kind of. It's kind of interesting how it's all come together. All right. So I got to know this. How uncomfortable is that? And would you actually <laughs> wear that when it's hot as balls in July and August? So the night of the wild card game, it was 89 degrees. And I think I lost five pounds. I mean, it was it was a little toasty. Um, the and uh, game four NLCS was a little bit better and then the watch party. So uh, it's definitely an October wear. Um, this is not a midsummer wear at all. <laughs> Matt, you, can, every, you know you got to wear that every game you ever go to from now on, right? Like this is not even debatable. I, the Nationals have to pay you to get you to go to every game and you need to wear that suit. Like you're basically their mascot now, bro. I hope you know that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm just a guy who's a fan who wears shark suit. There's actually a lot of shark suits at the watch party uh, last night. I don't want this to be exclusive. I think it'd be hilarious if we had 40,000 people in shark suits. Um, it's just about the team, really. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if something that I do is encouraging those guys and showing them that um, it's all about them and what they're doing. I mean, uh, I, I have the pleasure of working in the real estate industry, and I have some people who used to be in farm teams or used to play, um, you know, semi-pro or even professional sports. And, you know, you just ask them because, I mean, I, I played and, I, you know, I know what I can do to hit a ball and it's not as good as somebody else. But these guys, they, they work so hard for so long to get the opportunity to go play. Um, so supporting them and just seeing their heroic effort, it's just fun, you know? So it's really not about me. Uh, there's a lot more Nats fans that are way di more diehard than I am. Um, I just thought it'd be funny to wear a suit. So I think everybody else did too. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you wave those fins, it just makes me happy on a Friday. Yeah. Matt Kucinich yeah. is with us. He's a big Nats fan. He's going to wear that shark suit. I don't know if I missed it, but did you get tickets to tonight's game three, the first since 1933 in the nation's capital? 
so this has been very humbling, um, but a coworker started a GoFundMe, um, uh, and it's been shared of all, around a lot of places. Um, I, I've got two girls at home. Um, you know, I, I have a great living, but, you know, I can either spend $2,000 on taking our family on a trip or go to a Nats game. So for us, it just wasn't in the budget, but, um, you know, our coworkers got together, blasted it out. We'll see. Um, right now it's, um, I, you know, I don't even know how much is on it right now, but uh, they, they have been very, very generous. And uh, it's been amazing to see uh, just my different coworkers or the realtors or lenders that I work with, um, even clients. Um, it's been fun. Uh, today, I'm actually going to be doing settlements um, in the suit. <laughs> so uh, if you go to my I have a little Instagram. Um, it's at Nat Sharks guy. Uh, you can see a few pictures there of me doing uh, closings and trying to go to the game. But um, for logistics, um, Sunday would be the best. Tonight would be totally great too. But um, again, it's just all up to um, you know what people's generosity want to be. But again, I, I'm just so floored about the whole thing. Again, I, I just wore it just to be funny for one night and never ever thought it would get this far. So it's been uh, very humbling. But as far as you know. Wearing it past this, I think after uh, after this World Series, after we win, um, I think I'm going to retire the shark suit. Um, so we'll see no! uh, if it comes back. If it comes back, I don't mind wearing it. But um, sports have these kind of funny things where um, you know they, they've got a short cook. If this becomes the theme of our team, then yeah, I'll, I mean I'll keep it um, and wear it. But I think that this will be just for this postseason. You know, kind of like the rally squirrel or. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's going to turn into the catfish or the octopus for, uh, you know, Nashville and, uh, uh, Detroit. So we'll see. It's just fun for now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been incredible. Okay. Matt, I'm on the GoFundMe site. I just want to try to find the page and see how much money we've raised to send you to the Nats game. Do you know what, <laughs> how I could find it specifically? Um, let me go ahead and look. Um, if anything, I can send a link to your producer, uh, if you want, but I think right now, um, the title of it is send the Nats baby shark to the world series. And right now we have, send. Oh my gosh, eight donors, um, that have donated $330, which is amazing. And it's a lot of my coworkers. So thank you guys. Uh, it's just amazing. But yeah, it says send the Nats baby shark to the world series. Um, and I'll try and send I'll, the I'll Nats that. baby shark to the World Series. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna tweet that out and see if we can get you oh some help. Eight hundred plus dollars, you said. Uh, no, three hundred plus dollars has been raised. Okay, so we'll see if we can get that up a little bit. Can you tell Absolutely. us kind of what the atmosphere is like at Nats Park? Now you haven't been to a World Series game yet, but throughout this run, can you give us a sense of what it feels like? What the atmosphere has been like? with this joyous team and its fans getting a taste of this postseason success? Sure. I got time to answer this question. And then all my coworkers are like, come on, we got to do some business. <laughs> but um, I, I can only equate it to this. Um, uh, Washington fans are very, very defeated um, and have been defeated for a long time. Um, and going back to the Caps run, uh, it was game six against Tampa Bay where everybody was like, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose. Um, I got tickets um, to that game for under 100 bucks and watched Devontae Smith-Pelly and all these guys just put an amazing performance. And I can't tell you how amazingly loud that um, building was. I call it MCI Center, but of course it's Capital One now, I think. Um, it was electric. That was like the warm-up to what the wild card game was and then even that NLCS game four. 
Um, those are the two games I've been to in the post series and, and people are losing their minds. I mean, I feel like I'm not going big enough, um, with, uh, you know, my excitement level compared to what people are doing. And it's really fun. I mean, this town needs it. Uh, you guys were talking a lot before about the whole China U S thing. Um, there's just a lot of things in this town that divide people and this team is unifying them. And I, you know, it's, that's probably my favorite thing. I mean, that's what sports is all about. It's about, getting away from, you know, reality for a little bit, focusing on a very finite goal, winning or losing, um, and watching players strive towards that goal. So um, the fans get it. They're all in. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's the beauty of sports, really. But um, it's very, very fun. Okay, so as we go, last question is not a question. Let's just go through it. Baby shark, do 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 do. <laughs> then where do we go? We go, Mama shark. Mommy shark, come on! Don't Mommy you have any? I have two shark, girls do, that are do, four do, and do, under. Do, do, do. I have three kids. And then and my seven-year-old loves it. Yeah, and, and then, then grandpa and grandma. Wait, what's yeah, grandpa now? Grandpa's the see, knuckles. You got to get the knuckles. That's grandma. Excuse me. Then grandpa's big. <laughs> and then my favorite part is the let's go hunt. You put your arms up. You do the fin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. My daughter. I'll just bring my daughter on next week. She'll take you through it all. It's so cute. But anyway, thank you guys so much for the time. I really, really appreciate it. Let's go Nats. Um, And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to talk about them. But uh, take care, guys. Great show. Matt Kucinich, send him to the World Series. Get on GoFundMe. See if we can get him to game three of the World Series. Ross, baseball is eagerly pursuing young fans. They didn't realize that they would get the toddlers involved in the World Series. I know my seven-year-old, she can't wait to see clips of the World Series solely because of Baby Shark taking hold at Nationals Park. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, I like grown men that wear costumes like that. I will be wearing a costume tomorrow night for a a Halloween party. Looking forward to that. We can talk about that perhaps a little bit later. I'm looking forward to it. I will say this, though. I'm also looking forward to telling you guys about ZipRecruiter. I mean, get fired up. Let's get fired up. Go, Spartans, go. Yeah, it's from my high school. They have a huge game tonight against Burke's Catholic. Let's go YO, let's go ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so Ross Tucker, you mentioned you love adults dressing up in costume, but you didn't mention what you are dressing up as this weekend. And what's your process to find the right costume? Because to me, it's a very stressful situation on this final weekend before Halloween. 
Well, so I have a Halloween party tomorrow night. So I had to, and by the way, the party's supposedly awesome. I've never been able to go to it because of my travel schedule. But after doing a game at West Point, I will drive down there. I will be able to go to the costume party. And I am beyond fired up to tell you what I'll be wearing later on this hour. That's a tease. Oh. I want to know what it is. It's a tease. That's, that's what Ross Tucker calls a tease in the business. And that is a good one because I cannot wait to get the answer. But first, we're going to talk about the XFL season, which starts one week after the NFL season. The story we told you about in the 8 o'clock hour here on Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original is the story of Corey Vereen. He was drafted by the Los Angeles Wildcats of the XFL, but just recently decided against taking that opportunity. Let's bring in now the former Tennessee Vols star, Corey Vereen, who turned down the XFL. Corey, good to have you on the program. We appreciate the last-minute scramble for us. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Tell us what happened and why you decided the XFL is not for you at this time. First of all, man, I want to say thank you for having me here. Thank you for letting me be here. Um, so with the XFL, I was very excited when I first heard of it. it obviously, the AF going down the flames like it did. It was really exciting to see, like, man, there's another league coming up. Sounds like they're going to pay more and have tiers with their payment system. So I was very excited to hear that initially. So turned down the CFL offer. Didn't want to do that because the XFL was coming up. Everybody's looking forward to it. They even talked about how much money they had already saved up, which the AF didn't talk about. In my head, I was like, okay, this is like a great opportunity, and I'm really excited. Come to find out, basically a week before the draft, they've been publicizing they're going to have tears. People are going to get paid more than 70K, all this good stuff. Out of nowhere, they come out with a new payment system that peaks at 55K. A lot of people don't even talk about this. They keep talking about the average player will make 55K. That is incorrect. What actually it states in there is that the base pay is actually 27K. So that's the base. If you go through the entire system from December all the way to the end of the season, you're going to get 27K if you lose every game. Now, they have certain bonuses in there where if you're active on the roster, I think you get an extra 1000 And if you win, I think you get an extra 2000 So I think the ultimate price for a week that you get maximum is like 4947 Don't quote me on that, but it's somewhere around that. It's below $5,000. Now, the thing about that is, the team I was on the Memphis Express in the AAF, and the reason why I really thought hard about it is we lost a lot of games. I was responsible. I had two strip sacks and won the games for personally helping us win another game. Had I not done that, we wouldn't have won that game. So in my head, I'm like, okay, you got to think about all the possibilities of the situation. If you lose every game, you're not getting paid a competitive wage for football. I mean, there's guys I know who pick up trash and make more than 27000 so I just feel like that wasn't fair. I don't think just market value for football, especially coming from the AAF, that that would be acceptable as a wage. Um, in addition to that, I know I'm not like most guys. I have a software engineering degree. So I'm not pressed to jump or do anything football-wise for a lower sum than especially pre previously discussed. It would have been different if from the get-go they talked about 55 k and that was stated a year in advance, but they did it right before the draft. Didn't really publicize it like that. Um, and I've talked to certain coaches on the team I got drafted to. One of their coaches, Pepper Johnson, I contacted him. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, give me your information. I was just like, have you seen the payment scale? He was like, no, send it over to me. And I sent it to him. He's like, 
Well, that's not even what we talked about. They said they wanted tears. The coaches were not with this whole new payment structure and that they kind of did it last minute. So that right there told me if your employees aren't on the same page as the league, well, for the players, how is that going to go? You know, so that's what ultimately led me to make my decision. I just didn't think it would be smart to put my family in a position to where, you know, I could get hurt. Or, you know how football is, the grind of the game. I didn't want to put them in positions where there was uncertainty, especially with a low sum like that. So that's why I made my decision ultimately. Corey, what uh, what did you make in the AAF? That's the funny part. So we 10 games, you're supposed to make 70K before taxes. With the eight games, eight, not even the full 10 of the AF season, I would have made at least, like base salary would have made at least well, – 20,000 more like it's it, it wasn't a good system like I don't understand the 27k it just baffled me when I read it like, when I read it I had to reread it I'm like my agent told me I'm like nah let me take a look at this ain't no way you know that's not what they talked about but that's what it was all right so here's my question as a guy that played in the AAF last year and I, mm-hmm. I think this is really fascinating what do you think guys will play with uh, or play for, you know, not a lot of guys have the degree that you have and the options that you have, you know, do mm-hmm. you think there will be more guys that will, you know, elect to pass on the XFL? Or do you think a lot of the guys, it's still national TV, it's still money for football. And in their mind, it's still a chance to get back to the NFL. Exactly. And I tell people, I'm like, look, mine situation is a specific situation i know how nfl teams have viewed me i had a knee injury when i was with the patriots ever since then people act like they couldn't touch me i've shown time and time again i can make plays but that's what it is for me so i'm making the best choice for Corey vereen and Corey vereen's family now to other people who have no injuries they have nothing to lose they want to get back in the league i think it's a great chance for them and i wish the league well i hope they do well I just know for me and for market value on football, regardless of what you can say, that is severely underpriced for 27K. And on top of that, if this change to the salary were not that serious, it would have been more publicized when they changed it. Like, it wouldn't have been shit. It, it, it looked really shady. I'm not going to lie to you. It looked really shady. You changed, like, you have an agreement basically the entire year, then you switch it a week before the draft where everybody's basically made yeah. plans to do that. It just doesn't. You can't tell me that that doesn't look shady is what I'm saying. So, We're talking to Corey Vereen, former Tennessee Volunteer star, drafted by the XFL's Los Angeles Wildcats, turned it down. The finances just don't work. From what I understand, Corey, to make the 55, you have to be at least on a 5-5 five and five team and be active for all 10 games. That's bare minimum. What would your message be to Vince McMahon, the founder of this league? Well, my message to him would be, I understand that from a business standpoint, you have to make certain sacrifices. In addition to that, you also have to make certain plans and have things in place for business to run. I understand that. And I don't think that I don't understand. You have to have a certain way. There's a reason why businesses work. The reason why other businesses don't don't work. But I would say to him is 55K is severely low. That's the best it can get. That is severely low. The AAF who went out of business, had 70K, and they were paying people, I think he can do more. It's not like he doesn't have money or anything like that. So I think he should be able to pay that. In addition to that, what really got me is when I found out the commissioner was making $20 million guaranteed. 
You got the commissioner making twenty million dollars guaranteed, but you got the players making fifty-five, and that's if all those stipulations are met. But it's twenty-seven k from the get-go. I I just I couldn't get jiggy with that to be honest with you. So I would just tell him to you know spread the money out more. There's nothing wrong with paying for top-tier talent. Like a lot of these guys are NFL guys. A lot of these guys. One of my friends, Jarrell Presley. He's an NFL guy. He went to the AAF. He was with the Arizona team. He was played lights out. Like, you're paying for quality talent. And I feel like when you undermine that talent with pay, you know, you're not going to get a good product. And that's just my opinion. So, Corey, what did you hear? Or what, what did you know about what the, uh, the health insurance or health benefits are like for you guys if you do get hurt in the XFL? Man, I'm not even going to. I'm not. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I didn't even look at that as soon as I saw the price. That was a non-factor after I seen that price. I was just like, for that 27k, I don't care if you covering stuff. I can go get a normal job. They can cover that. <laughs> so it, it, I didn't. Once I saw that price, did not even look at it. Not gonna lie to you. They might have a great insurance and healthcare plan. I'm not sure, but at the end of the day, the healthcare plan is I can put food on the table or feed your kids. So. Yeah, and that's been a big question, Corey, because WWE wrestlers, though they make an awful lot of money, do not have health insurance. They are contract employees. I think it was a really interesting point there by Ross. Corey Vereen's the first player to turn down an XFL opportunity because of the finances don't work out. We really appreciate you sharing your story with us, my friend. Thank you very much, and have a great weekend. You too. Thank you for having me here. Great stuff. Really good stuff from Corey Vereen there. Ross, I thought that was a very fascinating conversation. I don't think a lot of guys have the opportunities nor the smarts that Corey Vereen have. What's your take? Well, two thoughts. Number one, um, I think most guys will still play. I think Corey mm -hmm. Vereen will be more the exception than the rule because I don't think a lot of these guys are really playing for the money anyway, Dave. They're playing more for the chance to get back to the NFL more than anything. I think if they felt like they'd be playing in the XFL for five, 10 years, they wouldn't do it. They're doing it for one season to get one more shot in my mind to get back to the NFL. I think that's sort of their carrot. Number two though, I really don't like how the players were told one thing and then at the end, it feels like it's really something else. It feels like it's a little bit of a bait and switch I mean, I guess the reports are average of 55K. Well, maybe if the quarterbacks are making 250 and these guys are all making 27 or up, it just, it, it, like Corey said, that part of it would be what leaves a bad taste in my mouth. If they're yeah. already not paying you what you think or as advertised, what does that really mean for what this league's going to be all about? That would concern me. And I'm surprised. Knowing Oliver Luck a little bit, I'm surprised that's the route that they took. Great stuff there from Ross and from Corey Vereen. We'll be interested to see if he is the only guy to turn down this opportunity once he realizes the truth about the finances. It does feel a bit like a bait and switch. Gonna have to wait to hear what Ross Tucker's going to wear to the Halloween party this weekend and how he came to that decision. But up next, Bob Nightingale from usatodayradio.com, MLB Insider on Game 3 of the World Series. The off-the-field issues with the Houston Astros have they done enough to quiet the outrage off the field, firing their assistant general manager, Brandon Taubman? Bob Nightingale, after a quick break here on Home and Home, don't forget to check us out on Spotify.
Chuck it, dude, 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 That is 40,000 plus Nationals fan at Nationals Park singing along to Baby Shark. Three and a half billion views on YouTube. And Gerardo Parra has made it the new anthem of the Washington Nationals. You'll see shark suits all across Nats Park tonight. First World Series game since 1933. Bob Nightingale will be there. Radio.com baseball insider, writer for USA Today. Bob, good to see you. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. It should be a raucous and wild scene tonight in the nation's capital. A lot to get to off the field. But to you, is this series over? No, it's not over. I mean, it'll be over at the... Uh... You know, Houston Astros don't win it tonight. They do have Zach Greinke, former Cy Young winner. If he had not been traded from the Arizona Diamondbacks, he might have won the Cy Young this year in the National League. So uh, they're a very confident team right now. Almost eerily confident, like they know they can't keep playing this bad. And uh, I'd be surprised if they don't win it tonight. You know, we talked with you a couple weeks ago, Bob, and, and you said that the Astros were your pick, and rightfully so. I think everybody that knows baseball was picking the Astros, but I think I also might have said it just seems to me like strange things happen in the Major League Baseball postseason. How do you explain, you know, the Nationals winning against Cole and Verlander in a, in Houston in games one and two? Yeah, particularly being so rusty. I mean, these guys hadn't played in a week, and usually rust just kills a team having a week off this time of year because they're not used to it. So, yeah, it's unbelievable that they beat both those guys on the second time it's happened all season when they lost back-to-back games, first time they lost back-to-back at home. So, yeah, stunning stunning collapse. I mean, here they are 2-2 in the, eighth, in the seventh inning. Uh, they make a couple of blunders there, and then just unravels. One of the most embarrassing losses in, uh, in Astros history. So, yeah, they're on a roll right now. You know, eight straight wins by the, uh, by the Nationals, which already ties an all-time postseason record. Really amazing that a signing of a backup outfielder who'd been designated for assignment ended up changing the culture of a club. I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that, but the Baby Shark chant really took hold. Gerardo Perez walk-up music because the first game he used it, he snapped out of an 0-for-22 slump with the home run at a double. Can you tell me about the culture, though, in the clubhouse and in the dugout? It seems like this team is having a lot more fun than most teams were accustomed to. Dance parties in the dugout, the shark thing going on, hugging Steven Strasburg, even though he doesn't like it. What's so unique about this club? You're exactly right. It's just a great, great clubhouse culture. And I think what they've done is kind of steal the mantra of the San Francisco Giants. When the Giants won three World Series in five years, they never had the best team, but they always had the best clubhouse culture. And you're right. I mean, here's the Giants releasing Para. They like, they like what he brought. And uh, it was just that energy level. Even when he started struggling there, Davey Martinez pulled him aside and said, hey, you do what you do. You bring energy to this clubhouse. I want to see that enthusiasm is, you know, rub perfectly on guys. I mean, they're uh, having more fun than they ever had. And, you know, and that was even before they made the playoffs. Bob, I'm curious about some things on the Astros side of it. Obviously, a lot of discussion about everything that went on with assistant GM Brandon Taubman, who's been fired. I, I guess my question is, Take me back before he made the comments he made. How well regarded was Tom? And I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, all right, he's assistant GM, 
for the best team in baseball. He's an Ivy League kid, 34. I mean, was he a GM candidate this offseason? Not this offseason, but he was going to be a GM candidate for sure. I had never spoken to him. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think he'd done a, lot of, a whole lot of interviews, so I didn't know him at all. But yeah, just being a uh, you know an assistant GM with his financial background and everything else, and the fact that Astros was so successful, you know, we saw Mike Elias as a Luna's assistant get the GM job with the Orioles. So he would have been probably a hot commodity a year from now. And now this happens, I, I can't see him working a day in baseball again for the rest of his life. Wow. I want to ask you about something Christine Brennan, your colleague at USA Today, wrote about that. If the powers that be in MLB don't throw the book at the Astros far beyond the firing of Taubman, it will perpetuate the storyline showing millions of women, men, and their families that baseball really doesn't care all that much about them. In your opinion, what should Major League Baseball do? Well, I think they'll get fined. I think it'll be a substantial fine, maybe say a quarter million dollars, maybe a half a million to a, uh, you know, support groups. Uh, I don't know if anything else would be done. You know, everybody jumps on the statement. Uh, you know, obviously that statement was made, mis- you know, handled poorly. And a lot of people saw it. So you're not going to fire everybody that had their uh, their hands on that thing. You'd be talking about four or five people. So I, I could see a, uh, a big penalty. And that's it. I mean, just, you know, actions of a of a rogue employee, you know, it's not like the whole organization was saying this. It was, it was one person uh, in, in uh, almost a cleared out clubhouse. I was on the field with, with most people. So I don't think you're going to just, you know, bring down the entire organization because of an assistant GM. Let's be honest. It was a few years ago. They had an assistant GM. They got caught with the uh, computer trespassing and he ended up getting a little prison time. So, and that only affected one guy. The organization didn't take a hit. Bob, for the people that aren't familiar, can you, and it might be hard to do it briefly, but Astro Ball, you know, the reason why the Astros are where they are, what sort of the, uh, what sort of the, the Cliff Notes version of what they've done differently and the success they've had? Well, what they've done is just got away from traditional scouting with no scouts at all and these straight analytics. So they'll scout by computer and everything else. You don't see them at the ballpark. Uh, even during the amateur uh, draft when guys are scouting, you hardly see anybody. But during the playoffs, for instance, when every team had two scouts on, on every team, Astros had zero scouts. So they're just using their mind, thinking we can do it better with video and everything else. So obviously they're not a popular team among the scouts and baseball industry because they're doing it in a way where you terminate employees. Uh, so... If if you're a scout, you're rooting big time for the Nationals over the Astros. Bob Nightingale with us, USAtodayRadio.com, MLB Insider. Bob, I'm in New York, and I found it interesting this morning when I picked up the newspapers, as I always do. I'm a I'm a newspaper guy, and the front page of the Daily News has Joe Girardi on it, Bolton Joe, about how you know that he shuns the rudderless Mets. Um, what do you make of the fact? that Girardi chose to take that job with the Phillies and did not want to manage the Mets, according to reporting. And if they made the right offer, I think he would have done the Mets. I mean, you know, he's there. He knows New York and everything else. Uh, you know, he might have got scared off a little bit by the Wilpons, going through a bunch of different managers. And maybe in his talks, they found out, you know what, we're still going to micromanage you. We're going to make the lineups and things like that. 
So maybe if the offers were, you know, the one-sided, he would have gone to the Mets. Maybe if they were close, he would say, you know what, I'm going to go to a franchise that lets me be, you know, who I am, just like it was with the Yankees. So maybe he got a little scared off about some things he heard. But if they really wanted him, you know, they should have jumped out and got him, you know, right after the Mickey Callaway firing. Bob, how concerning are the uh, the World Series ratings right now? We've seen that it was the second lowest game one ever. It's the lowest game two ever. How concerning is that for Major League Baseball, and what do you think the reasoning is? It's a concern. I mean, there's a concern with the NBA usually at the start of their season on like a, a World Series off day. And, uh, and now they say, you know what, we'll just go head-to-head with it. We don't care. They probably got a, a break that Zion Williamson was hurt, or else they probably would have had a uh, the lowest rating for game one as well. I think the concern, too, is that baseball is becoming a, a regional sport. Yeah, if it was Yankees-Dodgers, that would have that helped. But you're never going to have great ratings now. You have great ratings in the local markets, but just not nationally, uh, where you know, the, the sport obviously has slipped behind uh, football you know, a long time ago, for that matter, and now the NBA. So they're trying to, uh, you know, appeal to the younger audience and everything else. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a good job there, but obviously not good enough for, for the ratings to be this low. And I know it's not the, you know, the two biggest markets, but you do have a lot of star, star quality. Yeah, there's an interesting story in the New York Times about that, and they just showed how local the game is, how successful it is on a local level, but just not enough national exposure to guys like Mike Trout a quarter of his games are only available to 1% of the country, where Tom Brady's games are available to 100% of the TV-consuming audience. Before we go, Bob, uh, obviously I think everyone thought the Astros would win this series. As it stands right now, 2-0 going to D.C., what's your prediction now? Can it even get back to Houston? You know, I, th- I think it still goes back to Houston. Uh you know, I mean, obviously, game three is huge. Hey, Zach Greinke, if you've not been traded by the uh, Diamondbacks, he might have won the uh, Cy Young Award in the National League. This guy's still a phenomenal pitcher. Uh, Houston's very, very relaxed, almost eerily relaxed. Uh, you know, looks like they're sounding like they have no pressure at all. Granted, they wish they weren't down 0-2. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, tonight's a key. Astros have to win that. If Astros don't, then the series will end in Washington. If Greinke wins, I think we go back uh, there. It would be interesting as well as uh, rain's forecast all day on Sunday, which is game five, which would be a break for the Astros. They can get everybody on regular rest. So it would be interesting to see what happens. But i like Granke to win game three. All right. There's a prediction from Bob Nightingale. The weather could certainly play a role in this fall classic. Good to have you, Bob. Enjoy the World Series tonight, game three in D.C. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, Tucker, you teased me. I need you to deliver on the Halloween costume at the party this weekend. What are you wearing? All right. Do you want to try to take a guess? It's not sports. I can give yeah. you a hint, if you will. You're a shark. All right. Hint number one is that um, it's from a children's movie. A children's movie. You are uh, um, the, the your welcome guy from Moana. Um, I yes. can't believe that. It's Maui. Yes. Maui. I got Maui. it. Of course. Who, who else would I be for Halloween? 
I dude, mean, you gotta be all, you gotta be tatted out. Right. So my wife, and you'll see the pictures on social media this weekend. My pick, my wife ordered an outfit. It's like a skin tight shirt and skin tight pants that are skin colored with tattoos on them. And then I'll have like, you know, uh, the Maui um, Polynesian hair and uh, nothing with my face, not doing anything with my face, but I'll have the Maui Polynesian hair. I'll have the skin tight, which is good because I'm at my fighting weight right now. Um, wish I actually was a little bit stronger for this outfit. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm going. I'm Maui and my wife's Moana. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy. But I don't just need photos. We're going to need an Instagram video of you singing your welcome in the costume. Photos aren't going to satisfy me, though I am very happy that that is your costume. I'm not sure what I'm going to be. I still got a few days to think about it. I am off to the University of Colorado, taking on USC tonight in Boulder. Very excited to meet Coach Tuck tonight, the new Colorado head coach. Ross is going to take it after a quick break. We've got Pete Dammel on college football, breaking down the weekend slate in all the college football games, as well as the pro football doc. You don't want to miss Dr. David Chow on what it means if Patrick Mahomes plays this weekend. Is there surgery that has to happen either way? And what about Drew Brees? Could he potentially face a setback if he steps back on the football field? I am out. Ross Tucker, it's all you. From here on out, good to see you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next week. Home and Home continues after a quick break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.